Hello everyone and welcome to the Property Show podcast. My name is Monty and I'm your host of the show that investigates and discusses the latest news and views in the UK property market and general financial world. Uh, We're joined again by not one but two property legends who know absolutely everything about the property world having been at the top of their game for many years. We're delighted to have once again the BBC's favourite property expert Henry Pryor who is a buying agent with over 33 years experience in the industry it says here. Hello again Henry. Good afternoon. And we're also honoured to welcome back uh, my LBC Property Hour partner in crime Ed Mead who's a leading property expert and founder of the prop tech firm Vuba. Welcome Hello, Ed. Um, right, I'm going to start by looking at the housing market generally. Um, the government are looking at the whole house buying process and we get a lot of calls from people. We get a lot of calls on LBC, actually. People who've gone so far through the process, they've had their valuation done and then the property sale falls through. More than likely, they've been gazumped. Um, how do we stop this and, and improve the whole process for buyers, is a is a Scottish. It works differently in Scotland. Is that? Is yeah, that a, I mean, a, I mean, I mean a lot it? of it is just straightforward common sense, and that, and that if you're a good agent, when you go along and you take a property on to sell it, you you encourage the owner to get all the title deeds and everything in one place, ready to go, and any information they've got on the property. That's just basic common sense, which unfortunately seems to have deserted a lot of people <laughs> in a lot of instances. And the second thing, which may lead on to a possible conversation with the gentleman on my right, and something which I was against at the time because it was badly implemented, I'm afraid, was hips. And the yeah, whole the front page. These, these, oh, the fr- these were home the information fr- packs. Now, I'm not for see, one I second. See, I quite say- like the idea of them, but they were so badly implemented. Well, they were badly implemented, and the thing that makes a difference... <coughs> I'm coughing because I agree with this, by the way, not because I'm That's trying true. to cough... Um, you're probably remembering your associations with Splinter, the uh, um, organisation that was that, that tried to lobby to ditch. Well, I wasn't affiliated with any of them. Perhaps that's what's sticking in your throat as you're trying to tell I wasn't affiliated with any. I wasn't affiliated with any of them at the time. But the thing that leads me to 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 mention them again is simply the change in technology. I mean, these days there are some there are some pretty groovy companies out there. There's a company called Sprift, for instance, S P R I F T, who, for about Fiverr. They will give you all the information that is relevant to that property. So they will, they've developed all these systems What's it for called? scraping. Spliff. Sprift. Sprift. <laughs> well, it they, is groovy. They will yeah, pull in sort of, all the information about that property, yeah. everything right down to tree preservation orders, anything to do wow. with planning, anything that's available publicly or can be scraped from, from, a, from a source somewhere. And I think that's a spectacularly useful way for an agent to add value to what they're doing. So an agent, simply by turning around to the owner and saying, can you please make sure you call up your mortgage company if they've got a mortgage? Can you get the title deeds? Can you get all the other information? Fill in the properties, the vendor's description, you know, um, information form, everything else. Get all that ready before you even start and then use technology. So I think the system can be changed. What I do hope Monty, I would just add before Henry gets his word in, is that they turned around and said they wanted to do a consultation on, um, for instance, tenants' fees, letting yeah. agents' fees. Yeah. And then before the consultation period was even finished, announced that they were banning it, 
or that they were banning them. So they didn't listen to anything that they were told. So this is such an important issue that is currently esoteric. You ask anybody who's possibly even sold once or twice how the process works. They haven't got a clue. They just don't understand how it works. Mm. And the agents, really, the gatekeepers, these are unqualified people as the gatekeepers to an esoteric system no one understands. It's not surprising everyone's confused. Yeah, absolutely. 30, Henry, 30% of transactions of sales agreed fall through. And it's that's generous. generous. That's generous, that's, I think. Uh, uh, yeah, that it's probably just is generous. extraordinary. Yeah. It's crazy. I mean, in this day and age, as Ed says, we've got all this tech, we've got, you know... It's it's un- and it's unforgivable. Mm. At the end of the day, you've got so-called professionals or people who'd like to call themselves professionals, who are standing there as gatekeepers, as Ed says, trying to make sure that the process goes as smoothly as possible. Let's remember, buying and selling a house is right up there with bereavement and divorce yeah. for fun and excitement. Yeah. Uh, and the, one of the reasons that it is so emotionally draining is because there is people are dealing with something they've got very little, if any, experience of getting involved in. We're talking about huge amounts of money. We've got all sorts of people sticking their beak in it from officialdom to to criminals trying to steal the money on the way through. Mm. And I'm afraid uh, those that are uh, entrusted with actually making these things happen and go smoothly need to be much more robust. Inevitably, they're all concerned about whether they get the business in the first place. But if they stopped and educated the public and explained to them why it was important that they got themselves a proper estate agent to help them through the process, they'd understand why actually that was good value or indeed better value than just posting something on Gumtree themselves. And many people have themselves to blame. Many of those people could, with some justification in my opinion, point their finger at their professional advisor. And until people get the details right, as Ed says, I mean, I'm, I'm negotiating, I've got an offer in on a property today, I'm told that if we agree terms by the close of business today, it will take six weeks. We're going to have six weeks to exchange contracts. I've said, give us 14 days. Mm. Blimey, we'd better get a move on. So we've got... (laughs) Well, I can't be, that. What I are you doing be, here? I can't be here for very long. <laughs> we haven't got time. But, but you, know, it, uh, you know, it's a really good point. Technology gives us the opportunity. When I bid on a property, I have got all the information on who, where well, the charges the are, who owns what, what that's is particularly owned. Yeah. And if only vendors could get themselves into a position where they've got a big brown folder to give to the totally potential purchaser agree. that yeah. says, here's my property information form, yeah. here are the deeds, here's everything you need. If you want to buy it and you want to stand behind the offer you've made me, here's the folder, take it to your legal advisor, you can have, well, let's say a week. That should be enough, shouldn't it? More than enough. The other thing, that where, where they go wrong, I'm buying a house in Bridport just last week. The searches, I'm told, will take 12 weeks. Oh, that's just... That's just crazy. And if you want to do a personal search, because yeah. many listeners, I'm sure, will think, oh, what, what about a personal search? Yeah. All you do is go and move from one teller to another teller. So the other guy comes back and talks to you again. He says, oh, no, it's just the same. It's still 12 weeks because, obviously, we're, we're, it's more than our job's worth to do it. And the also, I don't think most mortgage companies accept personal searches. No, that's uh, No, not, not many do. So, fine for it's, my client. It's starting to get buyer, better. But, yeah. but if you need a mortgage, <clears> it, agreed. You can't. Mm. So, really dull. Um so I've, I've read this week that uh, Jacob Rees-Mogg is reportedly reportedly judging Lord the second. Lord <laughs> is reportedly judging the second Richard Koch breakthrough prize. What's the award, second word? Richard who? I don't know. Richard Koch. Uh, sorry, apologies, Richard, if I if I pronounce that wrong. Uh, so it awards fifty thousand pound to the best and boldest essay outlining a free market breakthrough policy to solve the UK housing crisis. First of all, is there a crisis? And how would you solve it? Well, I, 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 Henry will disagree because he regularly uses the word crisis. 
Um, I don't feel that there is a crisis. I You're all right, think, Jack, are you? Uh, no. <laughs> nice house to live in. I don't think, I don't think that's the I've case. Always had a I nice house to live I, in. I, I'm, I'm not sure. It, it, it depends on how you define a crisis. To me, a crisis is a... What about, what about 100,000 people sleeping... Sorry, 100,000 people in temporary accommodation. Well, it's 100,000 out of, what, 65 million? That's 100,000 kids who woke up this morning in bed and breakfast or temporary accommodation. Come on. Come on. I think you're behaving like a tabloid journalist. 9,000 people who last year slept under a hedge or on a bench. This is 2018 in the United Kingdom. Come on. Sorry, I'm not trying to belittle it, Henry, but I just think that the problem is not... I I think the word crisis is overused. I think there is an, an, an endemic issue which needs sorting. You can and find I think Ed it's... Mead on Twitter, by the way. Don't reply to me and take your anger out on me. No, but I do Ed think, is there. Take I it do out think, on I, I do think that, that some of this issue has been, uh, or the, the cause and effect, the effect has obviously been that house prices have gone up and therefore there is something that is endemically wrong somewhere in terms of the supply chain. You could look back to the 80s, selling off council housing and then not building enough uh, affordable accommodation for people. There are that there are certain issues here, um, which have of course been exacerbated horribly by the fact that there's a massive spending squeeze on. So the money simply isn't there to spend uh, with austerity. I mean, you know, I think there are certain things that could have been done very differently over the years. But I do think sometimes the word crisis there is definitely an issue that needs sorting. I'm just I'm just arguing with the word crisis. That's a certain <laughs> issue that yeah. needs sorting. Yeah. Um, and uh, shouldn't didn't the government miss a trick? Where instead of bailing out some of the banks, shouldn't they have national a house builder and then well, we could, then they they could be going around actually building proper genuine affordable houses we could genuinely spend the rest of the show talking about this if you leave it with me but <laughs> in the interest of moving on to something that other people are interested in yeah uh to his credit i give lord snooty marks for actually going out and asking people as opposed to telling us what the solution is to the particular problem he'd like to ask people and he'd like to offer or with the help of others he's offering a chunky amount of money for some, for some people that would be the deposit on mm. their first home i couldn't disagree more with ed the problem with the words housing and crisis is what is the housing crisis for some people it's uh, the fact that homes are unaffordable for some it's the high house prices per se for other people it's the fact that green belt is being concreted over or that yeah. they're building homes in the wrong yeah. places for other people it's the homes that are actually being built is it homes that should be mm-hmm. uh, you know the brookside closest that can be sold for lots of money and make um, <clears throat> fat cat developers even more profits so they can earn over a hundred thousand pounds a year over a million pounds a year i apologize uh these are all, it's, it's, we've got to define what the problem is. Let's not call it a crisis, whatever the problem is. And because it's the solution to each of these problems is totally different. I would hope that the one thing that the three of us and many listeners would be able to agree to is that one of the things that we ought to be able to do, whatever your political persuasion, is to start to go back to what we were doing, which is providing homes for those who aren't able to afford to buy or rent homes yeah. per se. We stopped doing it under uh, uh, once we started selling off the, uh, mm-hmm. the the national asset under yep. right to buy. Ironically, originally a socialist idea borrowed by Mrs. Thatcher and then given who was then given the credit for it. But the whole thing again, you know, unless they're being unless they are being replaced, it's crackers. So first of all, establish what is the crisis, if, whether it's a crisis or whether it's just a significant problem. It's the, one of the top three items that have been on the general election list. For the last five years, every time we've had an election, yeah. housing is right up there. And it is a big, big problem for an awful lot of people, even if not and necessarily. There's still all is the housing minister in, in the cabinet. Well, this, this, is, this is my next question. So we've just said goodbye to Dominic Raab, who's 
been the housing minister since the 9th of January, who's uh, promoted to uh, Brexit secretary. There's a there's a, a tough After job for him. Yeah, the fire. exactly. Uh, and now we have Kit Malthouse, who's been appointed as a new housing minister. So he's the eighth minister to hold the role in the last eight years. Surely. This is part of the problem, isn't it? There's no... Well, I think it's more than just that. I, I think actually the, the entire process needs a long-term solution. And the problem is every time someone comes up with something that, that looks like it might fit the bill, two years into the into the government, everyone's turning around and worried about elections or the council elections yeah, or whatever absolutely. it is. And so they change the, yeah. or they just punt it into the long grass. So I think this is a classic example. I don't quite know how you do it, whether you have a... Crikey, people love these expressions, the housing czar, someone, put Henry in charge of it, put someone in charge of it. I'd love to see that. And give it a long-term view. Put a a series of people who know what they're talking about um, in charge on a panel or some kind of forum that the government actually listens yeah. to so and, and and then take it out of government yeah. and make it something which is done separately and runs alongside yeah. government so that people have the ability to, yeah. to, to look at this with a 20-year view because it's been an issue that's now 30 years in the making really as you say Henry and as I alluded to when I spoke as well it was all an issue that came up in the late 70s early 80s and and that's what's created the the issue we have now but it needs to be what long, is it? Eight long-term. housing ministers in the last eight, decade. Eight, yeah, and eighteen yeah. since two thousand, and already this year we've had the newly amalgamated, rebranded housing communities and local yeah, government, that's right. which has had yeah. it's now on its with James Brokenshire is now on yeah. its second Secretary of State. Yeah. And uh, we've got Mr. Malthouse, who I'm sure is a fine, upstanding MP and a, he's an a absolute, fine absolute I've met, asset. Met Mr. Malthouse. I'm sure he's, he's an absolute asset gentleman. to his yeah. uh, constituency, and he's very kind to animals. However, <laughs> got no bloody knowledge about housing, and we have got a couple of yeah. MPs who actually have got some experience. Whether yeah, put Kevin Hollingrake Ke- in, Kevin Hollingrake exactly wasn't a state agent. We've got Mark Prisk, who's yeah. a charter surveyor. You know, let's have let's take it seriously. Let's not treat it like every other department and leave it to. You know, amateurs. Let's get some professionals involved, and let's get about trying to identify what the problems are, and therefore what the solutions might be. Um, is, uh, is stamp duty part of the problem here? There's, there's been some calls. We've, we've seen the stamp no. duty changes for first-time buyers. No. There's some calls for last-time buyers for them to have their their stamp. Now, duty look who's exemptions. calling for it. Look who's calling for it. It's all the usual suspects. Stamp duty has been reduced for the vast majority. Ninety yeah. percent plus of buyers today pay less stamp duty than they did pro rata five years ago. Okay, there are, is a significant number of people at the very top end who are paying eye-watering amounts of money, but by and large, it comes out of the deal. So instead of paying all the two million or ten million or fifty million to the person who owned the property that's being purchased, the buyer is now paying a proportion of that to the state and stamp duty, and paying less to the seller. It's a zero-sum game. I've acted for clients who have paid ten million, fifty million, and all they're doing is reapportioning their money that they were going to give to one and splitting it and giving some to mm. the government. But the implication of what or, or I think what you're trying to imply with your question is it's that last, it's the last ownership. It's the people the whose kids people, have flown the nest the who don't want to people move. Who, last people, they've, they've sat through and enjoyed rampant house price inflation well, the last 30 boomers. years yeah, and, and they deserve yeah. a tax, not a handout. The idea that they should somehow... Um, be allowed to pass, you know, left money that they can pass on to the next generation. Be they pass go on the proverbial monopoly board of life. Don't have to pay but any that's taxes. That's not the issue, there, Henry, absurd. is it? The issue is, will it make them change their minds and and sell up some of this stock? No, because luckily time will cure all these people. They may not move today, but they will move eventually.
Well, they'll die eventually. Correct. So, uh, but I mean, you know, <laughs> but that's not the point. The point is, if you're trying to encourage them to do something, I mean, you know, stamp duty, like it or lump it. And ironically, it was it was I think it was Ken Clark, wasn't it? The first minister who started messing about with stamp duty after it went one percent for donkey's years. It has become I'm not going to say a weapon of mass destruction. That's completely the wrong expression. But it's become a it's become wielded as some kind of a weapon. It's for, bounded around for by, the, by our industry. I'm embarrassed to say. But you go out and you meet people who are buying and selling. And they understand that these things are uh, you know, this part and parcel of buying and selling a property. You have to pay fees. You have to pay taxes. I would certainly advocate a, a complete change. And indeed, it was in the first draft of the Conservative Manifesto. Buckle up, listeners. I would remove the exemption that people have currently for capital gains tax on the sale of their principal residence and scrap stu- stamp duty Sp- into the bargain. Spoken like a true tenant. <laughs> <laughs> so capital gains so, tax, capital gains tax on the main residence. As residents, many people will be no aware, stamp duty. Yeah, yeah. I, I think people should pay capital gains tax on unearned income if they've made money on their house during the time they've owned it. I don't see why it should be an exemption. Mm. It's not for investors. It's not in other in other sectors. Uh, and I was pleased mm. to see it in a first leaked draft of the Conservative Manifesto last year, and I was disappointed to find it didn't make it into the final. Why draft. do you think? Why do you think it it didn't make it into the final? final uh, version is it is it just a step too far is it is it really a political hot potato that if they did that i don't think i think the conservative party at the time had some pretty big issues to try and deal with what you're talking about whether taxing primary residences at the moment they have an exemption that would be well it would be the death of the Tory party if they did it well yeah you'd have thought thought the changes they made to uh, investors would have been the you know the last party to bring that in would have been the conservatives no i don't think that is uh, i i i think that would be suicide for them to do that it's the largest single tax giveaway that the government gives to uh the tax to the to the taxpayer um, this exemption, and it has no. There's no moral justification. I don't think it was point. ever intended to do that. I just think it's become too much of a political issue for them. I'm a little bit more, um, I'm a little bit less sanguine about the stamp duty changes. I think that certainly in London, an awful lot of, an, an awfully large part of the reason why the economy in London was booming. Uh, for so long was was specifically because a lot of people moved around and i think the one thing that these particular figures they it may come out of the deal and it may be uh looked at now as part and parcel of what people do but if you when, when i first started in a state agency people when I was used a boy. to well people had a certain way of doing things they'd buy a small one bedroom flat move to a two bedroom flat then a three bedroom flat then a four bedroom house and then a five bedroom house and yeah, then they yeah, move. Yeah. now they yeah. don't do that no, anymore they, don't. they jump no. straight into a two yeah. bedroom flat and then into a four bedroom house and they move out of london yeah. so yeah. what it does is this entire thing and and it's not agents and solicitors that make the money out of that it's the people who go in and do them up it's all the people involved in the entire process people go out and buy white goods carpets they buy new stuff they have things painted they do all sorts of things and that all of that stuff has changed and i think london also has a unique perspective um on on the way it operates the the central london property market in that people don't move from living in wandsworth to living in chelsea because they need to live in chelsea they they move because they they socially think it's really groovy to go and live in chelsea Mm. And if you choke off that market, you stop people moving up the chain. That's very, very unusual, I think. I mean, you do you know, realise there are people there are people outside the M25 listening. No, I understand that, but but an awful lot. You know, you talk to anybody about London and the and the effect it has on the UK, the gloss it gives the 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 the, the Eng, you know England as a whole, and the amount of money that goes into the economy that flows out of London. And I think that is Ed, being strangled buying, to some extent. If you're buying and selling a property, the vast, vast majority of people are buying and selling properties outside. The M25. 
No, I completely understand that. But I'm and just they talking. are better off I, as a result of the changes. No, no, absolutely. I, I don't deny any of that. But and I think part of lost... the reason London's lost an awful lot of its luster is because of these stamp duty changes and, and the way people aren't year, moving and there isn't so much five years ago, it. five years ago, when we were enjoying, in inverted commas, I'm sure you were enjoying double-digit house price inflation in Kensington and Chelsea, an awful lot of people, I don't recall whether you were one of them, I certainly was, and a lot of other people... Uh, many more serious and, and uh, uh, grown up than me, who were, who thought that that was actually a bad thing. 10, 15% annual house price inflation in Kensington and Chelsea was not a great thing and something to be encouraged. But I never used to look at house price inflation. No, to me, it was just the number of deals going Exactly. It was just the number of deals going on. It was all about transactions. It was all about transactions. Yeah. But Absolutely. that is but in how the real outside, outside, That's gone. Outside of the estate agent's world, actually, the actual um, reality of the impact of double-digit house price inflation was not a positive thing. And the government lost the ability to be able to control that through interest rates, which were the traditional levers that the Bank of England and the government had to be able to dampen down house price inflation. And therefore, taxing transaction was the only option they had. And at the time, many people were beseeching, begging them to do that. No, I'm not sure about that. I don't agree with that. I think the market has a way of levelling itself out. If people think something is too expensive, they won't pay for it. And I just think that what they did was they There's took an question. enormous amount question. of money. There's another question. That's another question. Yeah, it is another question. I mean, I, <laughs> I disagree with that fundamentally. I think they took out a lot of money out of the economy in London. Um, just uh, seen actually, the Association of Mortgage Intermediaries believes large builders are controlling the build-out rate of new homes. So they said that uh, it seems fair to insinuate that restricting the supply of new homes keeps the floor under pricing, which is of benefit to development companies. Uh, and the slow sales rate is directly re- related to a conscious decision to control supply and therefore price. Ed, isn't that, isn't that land banking? Is the Pope Catholic? We agree. <laughs> it's land we banking. We absolutely agree. So yeah. land banking is... It's not really, is, I mean, land banking is an unfortunate label for it, yeah. but these people are running businesses. They're answerable to shareholders. They're not, they're, they're, they they yeah. don't wear dog collars and go and you know, stand in a pulpit on a Sunday and, mm. and, and tell us you know, how, 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 what a civic um, about their civic duty. These are people who are running businesses. They provide properties, they build out properties at the rate that they can be absorbed by buyers. And let's once and for all try and remind people that the value that these properties change hands at is not based on the number of homes that are available. It's not about straightforward supply and demand. It's about the availability and cost of credit. That is what has driven up prices. If you make mortgages easier to get hold of and if you make them cheaper, as we've seen, ironically, with Help to Buy, if you give 10 people an extra 50 quid to buy six houses, you still end up with six houses sold on average for 50 quid more and four people still don't have a home. I, yeah, I absolutely agree. With that. I agree yeah. with Henry. I agree. He's not going to say that. <laughs> no, no, I do agree with Henry. I do agree with Henry. I think that's. I think it was put very well. Slightly long-winded, as usual, but he put it very well. <laughs> and on that bombshell, uh, gents, thank you so much. You've been you've been fantastic. Uh, thank you to my guests Ed Mead and Henry Pryor. Thank you all for listening again. We will be back next time. Uh, if you've got any comments or questions in the meantime to put to us, you can contact us on Twitter at Corico or through our website www.corico.co.uk you can also find Ed Mead and Henry Pryor on Twitter uh, what's it do you want to give at a shout Ed underscore Mead or at underscore Viewer there you go Henry at, at Henry Pryor Walmart. there you go thank you gents thank you Pleasure. all for listening uh, until next time this is a Property Show signing off <laughs> <laughs>